0: Girlfriends, episode number 162, The Sacred That Surrounds Us, with Andrea Zachman. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'm talking with author Andrea Zachman about the beauty, meaning, and symbolism in our churches that we might just be taking for granted. Can't wait to share our conversation with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. You know I love to connect with you here, and I'm thrilled that we have the opportunity to do it again this week. So I've got a special guest this week that's going to be talking about her new book. Andrea Zachman is going to be joining me in just a moment here for talking about her book called The Sacred That Surrounds Us, which looks at all of the objects inside of a Catholic church and the deeper meaning and symbolism in history that's behind all of it, that might be a little bit hidden, even to those of us who are cradle Catholics. So great conversation coming up. But first, I just want to give a quick mention um, of my book, my newest book, You Are Enough, which I've talked about and shared about here on the podcast many times. But I know many of you are new listeners, and you might not have heard yet about this book, which was released in this past fall called You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. So I just want to share with you that you qualify for a special discount on this book as a Girlfriends Podcast listener. If you order the book from Ascension at ascensionpress.com, the link to the book at ascensionpress.com is always in the show notes for the various episodes of the Girlfriends podcast, this one included. So you can always go to ascensionpress.com, check out the Girlfriends show notes and get the link there. But then if you use the code GIRLFRIENDS when you order from ascensionpress.com, you receive a 10% discount. So how cool is that? Just for listening to the Girlfriends podcast, you qualify for that special discount. So just briefly, the content of the book, in case you're interested, is the women of the Old Testament that's what I did. I looked in I looked at the stories of women in the Old Testament in writing this book and what their stories can mean for us today in our world. The world that we live in today, which is so very different from the ancient world that these women, that these stories took place in so long ago, and yet I found that there was a lot of relevance. There was a lot of things that just haven't changed. The stories that we women go through in our lives, the struggles that we have, the the challenges that we have in trusting God, in loving others, in giving of ourselves, in identifying as daughters of God, as precious daughters of God, inside of our marriages, inside of our motherhood. All of these struggles and challenges and triumphs are very much the same today as they were so long ago. It's really a a beautiful parallel that I found between many of the stories of women in the Old Testament, some of them famous women that you've heard of, some of them more obscure that you might not have heard of and you're gonna learn a little bit about. So, this book is really very much a basic primer for learning a little bit more about the Old Testament. If you haven't dived into the Old Testament, as I hadn't before I began my research for this book, I'd never dived into it this deeply it's a great starter for that. If you're curious about learning more about the women of the Old Testament, it's a great way to do that. But even more importantly than that, if you want to learn more about your identity as a daughter of God, the father, as his precious daughter, the daughter of a king, this book, You Are Enough, what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth is a great place to start to begin to explore that identity and learn about what your mission is. But even more importantly, your worth, your infinite worth in the eyes of God. Okay. That's it for my little promo about the book. But remember that code girlfriends. If you order from ascensionpress.com, you can get that discount. I don't want you to miss out on that. So moving on to today's guest, Andrea Zachman is going to be joining me. I hope you are going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Girlfriends. I am so excited because I have a special guest here with me on the show today. Andrea Zachman is joining me. Andrea is a wife of 11 years. She's a homeschooling mom of four kids who are age seven, five, two, and seven months. And she works full-time as a faith formation coordinator at St. Michael Catholic Church. As a convert with a renewed sense of beauty and the meaning behind the everyday things that we sometimes take for granted as Catholics, Andrea decided to write something that could help others see the sacred around them as they sit in church. And the result is her new book, The Sacred That Surrounds Us, How Everything in a Catholic Church Points to Heaven. And it's newly available from Ascension at ascensionpress.com. Andrea, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here with us.
1: Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much, listening audience. I am very excited to be here.
0: Great. I can't wait to get started talking about this book, which I don't yet have a copy of. I am dying to get my hands on this book. Can you, before we start talking about the content of the book, Andrea, share just a little bit about your life, where you live, your family, and your work, and then we'll talk a little bit about how that led to you um, taking on this project.
1: Sure, I am a wife, and I'm a homeschooling mom of four children, two of which I'm homeschooling. I am a convert to the faith eleven years now, and I am just trying to, uh, you know, get my family and myself um, through everyday life and help us to grow in holiness in all the struggles that we as moms have. And I just, I, I am so excited to have had the last two years of experience with writing this book, that it's helped me to grow in my uh, awareness of what's around me. Even as a convert, you know, you as a convert, you have to ask those why questions. Why does the church uh, believe this? Or why does the church do that? And, um, and I ask those questions, but it, it's still, there's so much every day that, you take for granted and you don't notice. And it was just a beautiful experience writing this to to notice all those things that even as a convert, I didn't notice. And I just thought were beautiful things and come to find out everything has a purpose and everything has beauty and is specifically put in our churches for reasons to help us point us deeper into the mass and into the sacraments and more closer to our, to our Lord and savior. And so I'm very happy to have had the last two years to open my eyes to the sacred environment. And I can just, I, I wish that for my children as cradle Catholics, Catholics, like they'll be, you know, they, I I really want to try and and make sure that they're grounded and that they're um, ready to give a defense for everything that they believe as well. And, Mm -hmm. And that's the the beauty of our Catholic faith. We have truth and we have beauty and we have 2,000 years of history. And it's just, I didn't have that as a a Protestant. And when I uh, came into the Catholic faith and I started actually asking those questions of why and how and how long Mm -hmm. it opened me up to 2000 years of history I never had. And it was beautiful. And trust me, I did not like history growing up. (laughs) But church history is one of my favorite things to study. And it really surprised me because I really did not like history. Right. But this
0: was different, right? I mean, so you mentioned your own children and wanting to form them in the faith. And it was a child, wasn't it, that inspired you in the first place to kind of put this new stuff you were learning into book form?
1: Yeah. So my friend, Julie, we were sitting down and I was talking to her and I, I, she had a child who was going through their first communion. And I said, Julie, what can I get him? Cause I want to get something for his, you know, this wonderful sacrament that he's about to uh, experience. And she said, well, what I want, I can't find. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, I want to get something that's going to help us to answer the questions that he has because he wants to know what the stuff that around us is called and is what is what's it for and mm-hmm. and so this book was that 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 starting point for what became or that that idea was the starting point for what became the sacred that surrounds us so it's to answer what the sacred environment is is there for around you in mm-hmm. church and in yeah. the sacraments. And so he, uh, she's very excited, um, that, uh, she cannot wait to get her hands on the sacred that surrounds us because she is able to read this. And, um, and to the, some extent he is even able to read this as a seven year old first communicant. Wow. Um, because I, I tried so hard to make it in, uh, plain English. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a theologian. I will never claim to be. And so, in fact, I I, I tried as, as hard as I could to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, keep it rich, you know, that, that uh, what do they say, rich food, but not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I really tried to keep it rich for the adults, but make it in plain English so that people can understand it.
0: Oh, that's great. So, talking about the content of the book, what kind of stuff are you talking about? Is it like the altar? Is it the, the linens? Is it the pews? I mean, what, what inside of a church is included? You don't have to list them all, but maybe just a few examples.
1: Yeah, everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Imagine you're sitting in the pew and you're looking around. It's everything that's around you. It's everything that's in the mass, the altar and father up there at the altar and everything he's wearing and everything that the deacon is wearing. And and then what's on the altar, the chalice and the paten and the crew, it's and the bread and the wine that are transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. And it's everything else. It's the pews themselves that you're sitting in and the kneelers. And then you look over in the side and it's the statues and the candles and the beautiful artwork and the confessional that's in our churches, the adoration chapels that are in our churches, the monstrance that you might see in, a, in an adoration chapel. Yep. And then it's all of the other things that you don't see the credence table that's in the sanctuary that holds all these beautiful vessels. It's the offering table when you first walk in next to the baptismal font. It's so many, it's literally entire sacred environment as you're sitting in the pew and uh, you're in that, immersed into the sacrament of the mass.
0: Wow. Now, um, does the book have photos of all of these things? How, how is it set up?
1: It is beautiful, Danielle. It has a full uh, picture photo of that item. Yep. And then it has the item is called because that in itself is a challenge. Yep. Um, you know, what is that called again? I can't remember. So. Mm-hmm. It has a a full photo of that item and then what that item is called. And then a brief description, just a very brief definition of what that item is. And then it's got historical content. When did this item first show up in our mass, in our church, Mm -hmm. in our sacred liturgy? When did it first show up? When did Father start wearing this item? And then it also has the symbolism. Like, why does it matter? Why Mm -hmm. is it there? Why should I why should I wrap my heart and my head around this item and reverence it as sacred in our liturgy and in our church?
0: Yeah. And how did you decide which items to include? Did you just go to your church and write all the stuff down? Or did you take feedback from other people or questions that maybe your own kids had?
1: Yeah. So I just, I looked at what was in the mass and I tried to write down everything. And then I looked at the vestments and then I looked at the environment and I Uh, our two priests here at St. Michael, they literally walked around with me and I said, Father, what is this? And then why why is it here? Mm -hmm. And then it just, it took off from there. And thankfully I had two, Uh, just amazing priests here, uh, Father Thomas McCabe and Father Peter Richards, who took the time out of their very busy schedule and walked around with me and had so much patience with me.
0: Oh, I love that. And did you find, because I'm a cradle Catholic, and sometimes I'm envious of converts because they come to our church with These questions and, um, you know, stuff that I might take for granted, like that's always been there, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Did you find being a convert was especially helpful to your perspective?
1: Maybe not, because I had been a convert for what nine years when this book was written. And Mm -hmm. so I I actually considered myself a a cradle Catholic at that point. Right. Um, But we're always asking those why questions, aren't we, Danielle? And when we do get those questions, we seek out the answer. And then, you know what, next time someone asks us why, we have that answer. And so I'm always asking myself, why? Why is this important? Why is this here? And why should it matter to me and my children and my husband? And why should I defend it? Right. So uh, you just, you keep asking those questions. And if something throws you for a loop, you say, I, you know, I don't know, but I will get back to you. Mm -hmm. And then you, look it up and you find out the the answer. And I still remember when I was writing this, I must have had 15, 20 books out and then like 15 tabs in my computer open <laughs> item by item. What does this book say? And what does this site say? And what does this book say? And just trying to wrap my head around the rich history that 2000 years brings to these items. And it's just it's such it was such a beautiful experience to basically step back into the early church and be as if I was there with the apostles and their successors and with the the mass of people as they were celebrating the liturgy. And it was just it was just a beautiful experience.
0: That is so beautiful. I love that. And I think um, many of us can appreciate the, those why questions that kind of motivated you from the start, um, that, that kind of like childlike curiosity that led to this beautiful project. Can you give us an example of um, maybe something that especially surprised you during your research as you were finding out the answers to those why questions?
1: Oh, man. Let's see. I think I, I remember looking at my husband saying, did you know that... The nave did not have pews like we have them today, Mm -hmm. just a few hundred years ago. Like that was that blew my mind. I couldn't imagine being at the mass because like our bodies are meant to completely immerse ourselves into the liturgy. And so we sit and we stand and we kneel at certain times. Right. And to me that those are, you know, deliberate for us as we worship. And I can't even imagine Pew's not being there. Right. And so like I had to, you know, it really took me back to how the early Christians worshiped and how the Jewish people had worshiped because, you know, the the changes that our church has has uh, went through in the past 2000 years, you know, there, there, it's all for reasons. And so I could not even imagine that and, and had no idea that there was no pews in the nave of the church. And, um, and then the fact that the, the priest and bishop, they used to come into the nave and that's where they, that's where they talked. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine Father walking into the middle of our church <laughs> and standing up and talking to us there. You know, right. sometimes he comes down the steps during his homily, but I couldn't imagine him coming to the middle of our church and, and, and talking because, you know, they didn't have sound systems like we do right nowadays. Right. Oh, very um, interesting. So those things really surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. think... And and the symbolism of the credence table, I'm not going to spoil it, but the symbolism <laughs> of the credence table, I will never look at a credence table the same ever again. Now and for listeners who so don't
0: even know what a credence table is, can you yeah. describe that? <laughs>
1: A credence table is in the sanctuary, and it's a table that holds all the sacred vessels needed for the liturgy of the Eucharist. So your chalice, your paten, your purificators, your cha- uh, communion cups, mm-hmm. um, all those items that come forward during the liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, it, you know, it's just a table, right? Right. But it's so much more. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to get the <laughs> book
0: to find out.
1: <laughs> Beautiful.
0: I love that. Oh Now, Andrea, can you tell us? Just- who did you write this book for? Is it, I mean, it seems like the ideal gift to give someone for their first communion, so for a child, but um, what about families? And I mean, like, just how about a mom who might be listening, who's just curious about these things? Or are, are, is it appropriate for all those different kinds of people?
1: So the original idea of the book was for first communicants and then mm-hmm. it developed into so much more. And so I would say that um, like my Joshua, who's seven, might have a difficult time reading it, yep. but the content in it is very much for him, at least the definition, because he can wrap his head around what an item is and what it's for. And he could probably even wrap his head around the history and the symbolism to know that it matters for a reason. Um, but I guess for, for my own children, I I wrote this thinking of them. I wrote this thinking of Julie and her son in in mind and how she can answer those questions when he has them for her um, you know, fathers and mothers who who want to know for when their children start saying mass is boring right. or why does it even matter? They can say, you know how rich our environment is here? Let's walk around. Let's take this book and let's walk around and see exactly what the church has for you, what Jesus has in mind for you so you can enter into this fully. Um, So like your RCIA candidates would love this book because it helps them to answer those questions that I had when I was learning about the faith. You know, why, why is this different than a Protestant church? Why is this different than worshiping at home? Right. Why is this such a a needed place to be at least once a week, if not more? Mm -hmm. Um, So your daily mask goers would even like this book because they might know what these items are and they might even know like why they're there. But the history and the symbolism behind it is so rich and so beautiful. And it might even be a jumping point for them to say, you know what? I want to look more into that. This is a beautiful and now I want to research more. Yeah. Um, And even like your your campus ministries too, like Focus mm-hmm. and uh, SPL here in in uh, the Minnesota, um, you know. So it's it's so many audiences, and that's the beauty of it is it's so rich, but it's so um, clear and concise. Yeah. So.
0: I love that. Like when I read the description of the book, I thought, I want this to be able to just sit down and maybe read, you know, read about one item each evening or something like that and kind of work through it together as a family. I think it could really inspire a lot more questions that come from those original questions.
1: Yes, I would love it if, um, and I put this in the book, once you read about something, look for it. At church. Look for it. Walk around. If it's not in the Mass, if it's not in the Liturgy of the Eucharist, walk around and see where this item is and see what yours looks like, because it's not gonna look the same. Right. That's the beauty too of our faith is your item, your statues might not look like our statues. Your artwork might not look like our artwork. Your altar might not look like our altar, but it is still in your church. Mm-hmm. And you can't be where these photos are, but you can be in your own environment. Right. And so, you know really read it and then look around because, you know, you are in your own environment and your own environment is sacred too. And just to really uplift what you have in individual churches and, yep. and really get to know your environment and realize that that is a sacred place as well. Not just this book, not just my church. It, Everyone's Catholic churches are sacred environments. I
0: love that. And, you know, maybe um, you could speak to just a little bit about why this is important? Like, why do we have all this stuff? Because I remember as a girl going to a friend's church, who was, it was a Protestant church, and being amazed at how bare it was in there, how it felt, I mean, there were things in there, of course, but it felt largely empty compared to my experiences and expectations growing up in the Catholic church. Why, why does that stuff matter?
1: As we sit in our Catholic Church, everything there is meant to draw us towards God. Everything there is meant to bring us to the truth of who God is and how much He loves us. Mm-hmm. And it, it is shocking, too, when you go into a, a different church, a, a Protestant church, and you see uh, how bare it is. And it, it's all, it makes me feel like I'm not, I don't know, like I'm not home. They don't have the richness and and the items, um, the sacred items that we have, and it matters because it's here for a reason. The church and her wisdom has said that these items tell stories of our faith. These items draw us in. These items um, help to connect heaven and earth. And. Mm-hmm. Um, As you read through this book, you'll notice that every single thing that's in our church, it's deliberately there. It's not there because it's pretty, even though it is. Mm -hmm. It's not there because it serves a purpose, even though it does. Mm -hmm. It's there to point us to the truth of our faith and the presence of God.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. And Andrea, what might you say, as you're describing how churches really vary, what came to mind were, I know, I hear from people all the time that struggle with, they don't care for their church's particular style, right? It's not exactly what they would choose, or, um, you know, it's not exactly their, their way of worshiping is using something that looks kind of like that, or they don't care for their crucifix, or whatever it might be. What might you say to somebody who struggles with that, even inside of their home parish?
1: I guess I would say that, you know, just really ask um, what's really important and and find out why if, if it, something really does bother you, find out from your parish priest why that particular crucifix or that particular candle is there. Mm-hmm. And you might be surprised at the answer and you might even be surprised to find out that style and architecture or that style and art why that in itself can be beautiful. But just to remember that even if you don't have the most beautiful chalice or the most beautiful stations of the cross, sacred environment, you still receive Jesus in the Eucharist and you're there to help um, be that witness and be the church. And, you know, just to keep going and keep trying to Deepen your love for the environment around you. And if it really bothers you that something just is not to your liking, talk to your parish priest and find out um, maybe and and talk to them about your uh, dislike of something. And they might even be able to help you work through that because, you know, having the most beautiful crucifix or um, the most beautiful altar cloth, none of that. Um, you know, it it truly is in the order of importance. Having our Lord and Savior in the Eucharist is number one. Absolutely. Yes. So, so Just try and and look around you and try to notice what is there that's beautiful to you and, and lift up those items in your heart and see if it might open you up and to the to the warmth of the items that you don't like.
0: I love that great advice and I love your focus on the Eucharist because that ultimately is why why we build these churches right it's because Jesus is there and that we worship God there and he's truly present Um, I know I've said that to friends who've brought me similar conflicts before and struggles and um, I remember once we were going to be going to mass at a parish that a girlfriend of mine didn't particularly care for the style there and I was like hold on, is Jesus going to be there? Shut up. You know he's, <laughs> we're, we're all set. You know, um, So really focusing on what's important, but then so much that we can learn from all of these extra items and the stuff that we have, the beautiful stuff that we have that can inspire us inside of our churches. Again, my guest has been Andrea Zachman. She's author of The Sacred That Surrounds Us, How Everything in a Catholic Church Points to Heaven. It's available from Ascension at ascensionpress.com. Andrea, thank Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us here on Girlfriends today.
1: Thank you, Danielle. Thank you to everyone who's listening and God bless you all.
0: And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And now it's time for sharing a little bit of feedback from girlfriends listeners. This week, I heard from Kelly Kozlowski, who sent an email, and this is very appropriate for this week's topic, where we're talking about children in our churches and the ways in which we can teach them about the church environment, the things that we have there through Andrea's book, The Sacred That Surrounds Us, but... Also, just the challenge of bringing children to church, this is like a perennial topic for Catholic parents, goes way back, I remember struggling with it myself. And I remember through my blogging years, this was like the number one thing that people would ask me about is, um, you know, how to survive kids at Mass. And we've done whole podcast episodes about it. But Kelly um, found something interesting at a church she was at recently. So I'm going to share here. She says, Hi, Danielle, I wanted to quick share something that I picked up at a Catholic church St. Matthew in Boyne City, Michigan. We were visiting in northern Michigan while on ski vacation. It was a bookmark with several copies in every pew, welcoming children and encouraging others around them to see them as a gift. Kids were even encouraged to draw on the back. With four little kiddos, it was such an unexpected yet amazing gesture I had to share with our community. I realized social media would be the best place to share this, but I am not on any social media sites. So email is the next best thing. I hope all parishes find a way to welcome families like this. And Kelly attached a um, scan of the bookmark that was in the pew. And I love this. Okay, so this is what this is what they say at um, Boyne Valley Catholic Community. So this is the church that she was at in Michigan. And um, it's a cute little bookmark with like a little drawing picture of children on the back. And um, on the other side, it says, children, feel free to draw on this side. But on the other one, it says, welcome, children. Dear parents of young parishioners, the Boyne Valley Catholic community welcomes your family to fully celebrate Mass with us. Some helpful tips. Relax. God made children full of wiggles. Don't feel the need to suppress that in his house. Sit towards the front or at the end of an aisle to make it easier for little ones to see and hear. Quietly explain the parts of the Mass to your children participate in mass, sing the hymns, pray the prayers, and say the responses. Children will model your actions. If you need to leave mass with your child, feel free to do so, but please come back. Note to all parishioners, the presence of children is a gift. Like all of us, they are created in God's image and are the future of our church. Please welcome all children and their parents with a warm smile of encouragement. Boyne Valley Catholic community. I love this. Thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing this. Um, I understand you're not on social media, but maybe I'm going to post this on Facebook to share with the ladies there, because this is a really beautiful thing that this parish is doing, making families feel at home, because I've heard over the years from so many people who have felt unwelcome in their parish communities because of unruly children, not even unruly children, sometimes just children being children maybe a baby making a little bit of noise. Um, So this is often a hot topic in Catholic circles, like when, when do you decide to take your child out of mass, right? And for what reasons? And can anybody tell you you should take your child out of mass? At what point is it a distraction to other people and all of that? But all that aside, I think all Catholic communities have a responsibility to be fostering this very thing that they're doing there in Michigan, fostering a sense of encouragement and welcome two families. Because we all know, uh, most of you listening are moms yourself, and you've been there, how difficult it can be, and how much you can feel judged. And sometimes that's not even legitimate. I think sometimes in our defensiveness, we feel judged. Maybe that old lady is just turning around to see your cute kid, and she happens to have one of those faces that looks angry all the time, and you just assume the worst. It can happen. Uh, But that said, I think all of our Catholic communities have an obligation to be fostering a sense of welcome to young families in particular— This is the future of our church. And this is something that recently raged on Twitter, where um, there was one particular priest who was kind of saying, and he's the leader of a popular movement that I'm not a fan of, and I'm not going to even talk about it here, but (laughs) he was saying that children shouldn't be in mass. And there was such a backlash that I was very encouraged by, not in a mean way, but in a way saying they belong there, your children belong there. And that's not to say you always have to bring your young children to Mass. If you have a sitter or if you're in a season of life where you and your husband or someone else swap taking the kids, you know, I mean, going to Mass and leaving the kids behind, that's great. I'm I'm open to all of those things and we've done all of those things inside of our own family life as well. But I, I think that parents should always feel welcome to bring their children at Mass. Of course they belong there. Of course, they do. <laughs> I mean, what kind of pro life community are we if we're saying that children belong somewhere else, but mass is only for grown ups? I think that's insanity. Anyway, thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing that from that parish that you visited. And great big shout out, high five to the Boyne Valley Catholic community in Michigan. Great job. Okay, next up, I have a little more feedback that I wanted to share that I got from new listener Taylor in the past week. Taylor writes, Hi, Danielle. I have recently begun listening to your podcast over the past few weeks. Not sure how I happened upon it other than searching for Catholic podcasts. I just wanted to let you know how much your show is helping me through a time of transition, becoming a parent to two instead of one child, while recently having quit my job to stay at home full time. It seriously seems like God is speaking through you to me. I have been bouncing around listening to the episodes based off of how the title reads and how I'm feeling that day so far below has occurred. Sorry, it's long winded, just feeling compelled to reach out to you. Then she um, lists a bunch of recent episodes or not so recent, even some of them. in um, her responses to them, I won't share all of that. But then she says at the end, so many great timings that can't just be coincidence. I recently saw a quote, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Anyway, very glad to have found your show and look forward to being a long term listener. Taylor Thank you, Taylor. I really appreciate that positive and encouraging feedback. And I love that quote that you share about coincidences and um, God really being behind them, because I agree with that too, that oftentimes things feel like a coincidence, but it might just be God's little little wink at you, right? His little nudge that um, you're doing the right thing, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of inspiration. So I love that. And um, I completely understand that you are going through quite a life transition right now, going from one to two children I don't know. That might have been my hardest, hardest transition personally as a mom. Um, you just, I mean, I think, you know, transitioning to one is overwhelming enough, of course, because you're, you're grappling with all of what it means to be a mom in the first place. But then when you've got multiple, I remember when I was pregnant for our second, I, I just, I felt overwhelmed at the very idea of having another little human being to care for. And um, it was a big adjustment. I I will never forget when I first ever went to the grocery store with two kids. I have no idea how old my second one was, but it took me a long while to get up the courage to do that. And I felt like such a hero at the end of it all. And, you know, everybody had to take a nap because that was the most exhausting thing ever. So I completely understand that this is a major life transition you're going through. And I'm so grateful that um, you're able to find encouragement in what I've shared here in the podcast. So I appreciate you letting me know that because that is very encouraging to me. That's why I'm doing this, right? That's why I'm putting this out every week because I, I care a lot about the vocation of motherhood and the, the joy that we women are meant to find in it. And I also know a lot about the struggles that and the challenges that we sometimes face in getting there. So I'm, I'm hopeful that the podcast can be a voice of encouragement and support and just, you know, a way of inspiring you in your vocation to motherhood. So thank you, Taylor, so much for reaching out and sharing that. If you have feedback you want to share about a recent episode, about something you'd like to see on a future episode, I told you I'm here to serve you. Well, the best way that I can do that is if you let me know what you need. So if you're listening and you're thinking, gosh, I wish you would talk about such and such a topic, send me a note. You can email me danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on all the social media. You can record a voicemail, voice memo on your phone, and then just send it to me at that email address. Or connect with me on Voxer if you have the Voxer app and you like connecting that way. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always included in the show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends podcast at ascensionpress.com. And one last thing before we have to go, I just want to mention once again our Facebook group. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but didn't tell you how you can become a member. If you're interested, there's always a link to our private Closed Facebook group, which is only for listeners of the Girlfriends Podcast. There's always a link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com, but you can go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Girlfriends Podcast and find us there. You'll need to make a request, but I've just been letting everybody in, and so far, so good. No spammers have sneaked in, nobody nasty has sneaked in. It really is a beautiful, supportive community where you can go and ask questions, you can leave feedback or comments about the the show and com- you know. Discuss with other members of the Facebook group the things that we're talking about here on the show, or leave a suggestion for something you'd like for me to take up on the show. Um, And, you know, really what I love is when somebody just has some issue that's going on in their life and they know that it's a supportive community they can turn to for prayer, but also for practical ideas and encouragement inside of that particular challenge they're facing. So I would love it if you would become a member of our Facebook group. It really is a way that we can make this community of the Girlfriends podcast, more real. We can expand the reach of our community and expand the ways in which you all have access to one another. I find that so valuable. Okay, that's all the time we have for this week, but I do want to thank you for being here. I want to thank those of you who've left iTunes reviews in the past week. I really appreciate it. I notice and read every single one of them. And I'm so encouraged by those of you who take the time to do that, Uh, not only because it gives me feedback for the show, but also because the more positive reviews that we can get, the ratings and reviews that we can get on iTunes, um, the more iTunes figures that in for when it's going to show the the show to other people as a potential thing they'd like to listen to. So it really helps us to get the word out about Girlfriends and grow our community here. So thank you, those of you who've taken the time to do that. If you haven't yet had the opportunity to do that, please consider doing it in the coming week. It's a wonderful way that you can give back to this community and let me know that you appreciate what I'm doing here at Girlfriends. But in the meantime, I want to thank you for being here. Your presence truly is a gift to me i so appreciate the time that you spend here with me each week and until next time i hope you enjoy your day and god bless your week girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and ascension the leader in catholic faith formation